Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. Someday, this will be the podcast where we watch Muppet movies two minutes at a time and talk about them a lot. But we're back for one last bonus episode before we start Muppet Christmas Carol. Today, we are talking about The Muppets Celebrate Jim Henson. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. I'm your other host, Ryan Rowe. Today, we're joined by our pal, your pal, a guy with the same initials as Jim Henson. Who is it? It's me, not Jim Henson, but I'm Joe Hennis. Wait. I am co-owner and editor-in-chief of ToughPigs.com, and I am very excited to celebrate the Muppets who are in turn celebrating Jim Henson. You're not Josh Hartnett? Not today. Oh, Sorry. Okay. Does Does Josh Hartnett's middle name start with M, though? Like like you and Jim Henson? Oh, I have no idea. That's true. And That's also... Thing, Joe, Joe, J- JMH, JMH. They, right, they match right. all three. That's Love right. That. Everyone's just going to have to guess what my middle name is. But, but my last name is surprisingly similar to Henson. If you just kind of swap a few of the letters around and, you know, it, they just sound similar, which I always thought was kind of neat, but not neat yeah. enough to, like, you know make earn me any money or anything <laughs> you could mispronounce it the same way if you rearrange the letters yeah if anyone wants to mispronounce my name that way i'm <laughs> totally for it any other way i i don't i don't care for it i won't I won't stand for it okay <laughs> no one has ever mispronounced my last name all right so today we are talking about the muppets celebrate jim henson a special which aired on november 21st 1990 about six months after Jim Henson died. I also want so to note was, that um, this special, the night that it aired, it preempted the regular airing of the series Jake and the Fat Man. So this was an important night for uh, Jim Henson fans, but probably a disappointing night for William Conrad fans. Fortunately for them, they could watch canon reruns on right. WGN. All right. But so we're talking about the Muppets celebrate Jim Henson. Um, this is kind of the first special we've talked about that I actually watched when it aired. I was almost six when this aired. Did you guys both watch it? Do you remember? I'm relatively sure that we did. Uh, I, I would have been eight, almost nine years old. And uh, I guess I, I don't really remember to be perfectly honest, but I don't know where else I would have seen this. And I definitely saw it as a young human being. Yeah. I definitely watched this the first time it aired and my family taped it. So I was able to go back and rewatch it and revisit it. And I actually have this memory of my mom telling me the week that it aired, she was talking to my grandmother on the phone and they got to talking about the special. And my grandma said something like, Oh, did, did all of you watch the special? Even Ryan? Because for some reason she thought that maybe I had outgrown the Muppets. But then of course my mom was like, uh, yeah, we all watched it, especially Ryan. Right, right. Like Ryan's watching. Ryan, it three have you outgrown the Muppets yet? Yeah, yeah. I I have a distinct memory of a few years later, probably in elementary, like third or fourth grade, describing this to a friend and saying that it was about all of the Muppets going to Jim Henson's funeral. Oh, so that shows you how it's about as close me- as you'll get to that, mm-hmm. right? But like, I also may have seen news coverage of the memorial service on TV or something. Right, I could see how you could get them kind of you know. Muddled. Um, but yeah, so I would have, I would have turned six about a month after this, but, uh, then I don't know. I got it in a tape trade. I think I probably saw it again in high school. Yeah. But that's interesting what you say about that. It could have been about them going to his funeral. Cause Anthony, you and I talked about this recently that it's really, most of the special is not sad. It's, it is, you know, the word celebrate is in the title and it really is a celebration 
of Jim Henson and his entire career rather than just let's all be sad because he died. Right. There's about 10 sad minutes at the end. Yeah. And the rest is, this is, this is something that like, I feel like we end up talking about, you know, once a year, um, you know, on the anniversary or near the anniversary of Jim's death that like, you know, social media is completely inundated with people who are being like, Oh my God, Jim Henson, I miss you. And like, Oh, it's never been the same since. And like, just these really sad posts. And it's like, well, I, I think Jim would have wanted us to celebrate his work in life. And it's one thing we, of course, we all feel very sad that he's gone. Um, but we spend a lot of energy feeling sad and we don't have to, you know, we, we can, we can be a little sad and mostly celebratory. And I, and I feel like uh, considering how close to his death, this special came, it's about as much as we were going to get. I mean, that's probably more than any other special would have, would have given to a, a celebrity to celebrate their life and not just mourn it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really striking that they pulled this together within about six months after he passed away because it must have been, I don't know, it just, it must have been a very difficult uh, special to make. And especially without him there as kind of the, the leader. Right. Well, so before we get into the con, the actual content of the special, I wanted to talk about the set of this thing because they built a new, essentially Muppet theater backstage for this special. And it's kind of a hybrid of the Muppet Theater and the Muppet Television from the Jim Henson Hour. Because it has all these monitors. You know, there's like a wall full of monitors, right? Which we see Fozzie walk past right at the start. And then the Muppet Theater has like a very Muppet Theater-esque backstage. But like there's like a wrought iron staircase instead of the, the regular staircase. And there's just like a piano sitting out backstage. And there's a ladder going up to a third level that we never see. Yeah, um, the doors have like a bunch of photos and a dartboard on them. I don't know. I just think it's really cool looking. It is a very it's a cool bummer set. Never used it again. Yeah, I, and I, I do love the monitors. I love that that it's kind of a continuation of what they were doing on the Jim Henson Hour, combined with what we were all familiar with from the Muppet Show. And it's like it does look like backstage, but we never see a stage. Like even when they're talking about putting together this tribute number, it's like. Is are we don't know? Are they? Is there a stage that we just never see in the special, or are they just planning on putting on this number backstage the whole time? There, there's a few That's moments a coming up. We could talk about them as they come up, of like the, how weird it is that they have no stage to play with, right? Um, but it's also a weird thing where you know, not that we should be thinking about Muppet continuity, but here we are on a podcast talking about Muppet continuity. But also you love to talk about Muppet continuity. There is no Muppet continuity. I do love to talk about Muppet continuity. And here I am. Of course, there's no Muppet continuity, but maybe (laughs) there is. And let me explain (laughs) it to you. Uh, It's, it's like we had the Muppet show. We know what the Muppet show backstage looks like intimately. And then, Cut to, you know, the early 2000s when we have, you know, the Weezer music video. We have, uh, like, It's a Very Merry Muppet Christmas. We have, like, later on, the um, 2011 Muppet movie. Like, we see the same backstage, or at least something that's really similar to that backstage. So here, I think we're supposed to assume it's the Muppet show backstage that's been updated with with TV screens. Um because it also still has that uh, that second level to it with like the balcony thing that characters can kind of like right. pop their heads over. And it looks like there's um, dressing rooms. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, it's it's like this weird, you know, amorphous, uh, you know, maybe it's like a, like a, like the inside of the TARDIS where it's kind of the same thing, but it just kind of changes the way it looks just a little bit 
each every few years and then later on it kind of goes back to like the retro look for the old school fans you know what i mean and like the tardis yeah. we can assume that there's more of it that we just never see right it's well, definitely bigger on the inside like maybe the canteen you know, there, is still there who knows and like there's a lot of dressing rooms and we only ever see three doors i mean come on right, right. well and and we, we we also never see anyone exit left from the state like backstage you go right onto the state right like you go right off the stage you're but you're in the backstage set that we know on the everyone muppet show yeah. From, yeah on the muppet show everyone enters from the right when they're coming from the stage right so presumably there's something off stage left as well but we never see it once in five seasons well that was why our good friend scott hanson who's one of the admins at uh, the muppet wiki before the muppet wiki his website was backstage left yeah because oh, yeah. that was the other side of yeah remember that Backstage yeah. was the other side of the, of the Muppet Show stage. What's over there? It's Scott's website. <laughs> that was, so, so that's where Scott uploaded the audio files of Muppet Family Christmas that I've mentioned so many times during yeah, that season. They're still that's over right. there. That's where they are. That's what's mm-hmm. over there. It's just audio files from old Muppet specials. <laughs> um, the, the notes on Muppet Wiki about this special say that there's one of the monitors that's showing an overhead view of the set where you can see the puppeteers. I looked for it. I think I identified it, but it's kind of, it's in black and white and it's kind of blurry, but you do, you can see movement on this monitor that seems to match what the the puppets are doing on screen. So that's kind of cool. That is cool. I, I tried to pay attention to what was on those screens. Unfortunately, the version I was watching was pretty blurry, so I couldn't see most of them. I did spot um, some uh, shots from the cube. Uh, Jim yeah. short film and uh i saw some like old ed sullivan stuff um, there's some behind the scenes clips of labyrinth and then just kind of like scenes from from the dark crystal and the storyteller that's cool it, you know what it made me think of a bit is uh the museum of the moving image which has a wall of uh like as you as you exit it's just got like a bunch of monitors uh, and uh, excuse me, when you exit the Jim Henson exhibit, not the whole museum, right? Um, it's got all these monitors that are just showing like clips of like Muppets doing stuff and photos and you know, like things from all throughout Jim Henson's career and his legacy and whatever. And uh, yeah, it just kind of made me think of that of just like this this little sampling of everything that Jim did in different ways, what was on screen, what was behind the scenes, et cetera, et cetera, you know, uh, yeah, but you know, on, a, on the backstage of a Muppet show and not. the exit of a museum yeah i like that it is very similar my only other uh, note about this set is um i i wasn't able to verify this but um do you guys know was this filmed or taped at the henson company carriage house in new york city you and i have been told that ryan okay uh, i was trying to remember where i I believe yeah i think craig shemin told us that and don't quote me but I think I think that is where we got that bit of information. So that's a space that they've used for a bunch of photo shoots over the years. And Wobulous World of Dr. Seuss was taped there. And I'm sure a few other productions. So that's, uh, it. Kind, I don't know, something kind of seems fitting that, that they use an actual Henson property to, to tape this. It, it also, you know, if you've ever seen how large that space is, it's actually really small. It's a small stage. And so... It explains why all we get is wall to wall. Like they, they probably used every inch of that that stage for that so. Muppet Show set. Yeah. yeah, and like you know, because that's all you get is just just this much. Um, I did notice one other very small, interesting thing in the background uh, of this set, which was uh, a framed <laughs> picture of the um, TV Guide cover 
with Kermit and Fozzie, where it looks like Kermit is kind of like introducing Fozzie through the red curtain. From That's like from like when the Muppet Show premiered. Yeah, yeah, that would yeah. have been, been mid seventies. Yeah, late seventies. Yeah, yeah, that was a cool one. Yeah, that's great. All right, so getting into the actual content of the special itself, uh, we start with Fozzie, who says that they need to prepare a big production number, but he doesn't remember what it's for. And then Blue Zealand comes rushing in and says it might be for one of his fish, uh, his first fish, Connie Sue, and then he throws a fish and it flies back and hits Fozzie in the face. Off to a great start. Off to a well, great start. Just, and it's so nice to see Lou because he wasn't in Muppet Vision 3D the last thing we did. Oh, uh, yeah. That's true. Uh, and if I was thinking about, you know, if this was Connie Sue is, was the first fish that he ever threw. And the first time we ever saw New Zealand was in 1978. That means that that fish is over 12 years old. <laughs> oh, <at this> point. <laughs> imagine how it smells. No wonder Fozzie didn't want to take a fish to the face. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, also, Fozzie says that the, the big tribute number is happening at 845 on Wednesday, which is pretty close to when the tribute actually happens because of the special aired on a Wednesday and the tribute happens in the last 15 minutes of it. So, yeah, that's yeah, a nice that's touch. Um, but he didn't say 745 Central. No, he should have. He should have. You're <laughs> darn right. He should have. Um, too bad that he didn't. Too bad he didn't say on this week's episode of the TV series Wednesday eight thirty seven thirty Central, which was an actual TV series. But then they had right. to change the title because it moved to a different night of the week. Different time slots. We have talked about this on this podcast. I think, before. Yeah, I was just going to say. I swear. Have. Just cut it. Just chop it. I we, think we the three of us talked about it. <laughs> this is what people want to hear about, though. Chop it out. Too late. We already talked no about way. it. It's no in. Way. This is all staying in. All right. Um, anyways, so what happens? They Right after Fozzie says he doesn't know what the tribute is for, then he gets a postcard from Kermit uh, asking him to prepare the tribute to Jim Henson. And that then is the premise of the special, that the Muppets spend the hour trying to figure out who Jim Henson is. And I thought you were going to say the premise of the special is Fozzie Bear receives mail. It kind of is, though, too. You're That's right. That's kind of like, how it ends, too. Well, yeah. like, and the, like, the emotional climax of this special is Fozzie Bear finds a folder under the desk. Um, That's true. Yeah. Spoiler like strange, yeah. strange, but true. That is, that is what happens. But uh, when the postcard arrives, everybody kind of has one character. All the puppeteers have one character in the room kind of, which I think is fun. It's uh, Frank I love when that happens. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Dave Goals is playing Gonzo. Steve Whitmire is playing Rizzo. Richard Hunt is playing Scooter. This is, this is Richard Hunt's last performance with the Muppets, essentially. Yeah. This is, kind of an unusual like yeah it is it's just kind of striking to see richard hunt and scooter in the special and then knowing that, you know it's it's a memorial to jim henson whom they had just lost and just knowing that that richard hunt would be gone within a year and a half of this right well and, and it really of- is tragic that we didn't get like a few years later like if there have been a few more years between the two of them passing like we would have gotten them up and celebrate richard hunt right like I feel like that that could have happened. Maybe, but nobody knew who that was. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, I, I, I don't know I, if the I, I general think, audience would would have watched right. that. I don't think I, I don't think that's a network TV special. You know, I I, I truly don't. I think I think you his may name, be right. Yeah, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna imagine what that would look like anyway. For oh yeah, minute. just I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna think about sure. that. Sure, it'd be great. That'd, yeah. be, that'd be pretty good. I'd watch that. Um, yeah. <laughs> and speaking of brief, the the new Jim Henson Hour character Clifford is part of the gang here, and it, that's Kevin Clash, of course. And then fittingly, 
Jerry Nelson, the, the man of a thousand voices, has two characters in this scene, New Zealand and Robin. Uh. Jerry Nelson is the only one who gets to double up. Which huh. I was ready happen. to correct you when you said that everyone had one character. I was ready to jump in and be like, excuse yeah. me, Robin's there too. Excuse me, Jerry Nelson has two characters. <laughs> um, Kermit's nephew, Robin, which I, I do like that Kermit, who's apparently his sister or whoever has just left Robin with him. He just leaves Robin with his irresponsible friends and goes out of town. Yeah, I guess that's just He's what fine. happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, um, having established that they're going to find out who Jim Henson is, the Muppets all go over to a monitor to watch the special that they're currently starring in because the title comes up on screen on the monitor. Yeah. It's yeah. also, um, you know, they kind of have to not know who Jim Henson is in order for this special to have any sort of an arc. But uh, apparently all the Muppets have forgotten that just three years ago, they sang an entire song about Jim Henson uh, when he was inducted in the Television Academy Hall of Fame. They have they have also apparently like if if since you're Mr. Continuity all of a sudden, Ryan, um, they have also forgotten that a year ago on the Jim Henson Hour, a year and a half ago, they did this same bit where Jim Henson like introduced the puppeteers yeah. one by one. And the puppets all freak out about like having puppeteers on the right. subjects of the Muppets. Yeah, it's true. Um, you know, and like Kermit I, I, talks I to Jim in their presence all the time on that show. That's also true. Yeah. None of it matters. I wanted to add two two things right. before we, we get to the monitor bit. Uh, number one is it really threw me off for some reason that Rizzo is naked. And I was yes. trying to figure out why. No, number one, like this does come after Muppets in Manhattan. Like he has an outfit that he could be wearing. You know, yeah. this is like well after the Muppet show. And Number two, it's that this is the newer Rizzo build, which right. was, I, I assume, built for Muppets Take Manhattan, um, updated from his Muppet Show look. And I, I don't know. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think we've seen that build of Rizzo without clothes at this point. So it just seems really odd that he's not wearing anything. Yeah. No, I think that's what it is. is that it's, it's the modern Rizzo, but we haven't seen it. I, I think before or since, yeah. I don't think we've ever seen him naked. Uh, only in yeah, my dreams. <laughs> Even though we do see <laughs> other Muppet rats without clothing. It's just like that. All the time, it, it's yeah. one of the things that sets Rizzo apart is that he wears, you know, yeah. stylish well, but, clothes. But all the rats with names have worn clothes, right? Like all the, all the ones yeah, in Manhattan guess... and in Muppets from Space, they're all wearing clothes, right? Aren't they? Uh, probably, yeah. I think so. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll the, the other thing is uh, just before the Muppets look on the screen and see this logo pop up, uh, there's a countdown with the Fraggle Rock characters. That's yeah, fun. that's great. Which I thought Love was cool. That. Do you do you have any idea what those are from? It looks like it was made for something they're just repurposing here. Oh, I don't know. I assume yeah, they, I they made either. it for this, but yeah, that's it. I, I would be curious to know. Yeah, it, like it seemed like I don't know, like it was in a storybook, or maybe they used it internally at Fraggle Rock when they were filming, or uh, for their countdowns or something. I don't know. It just it just had, had such a specific look. Like they wouldn't have like gotten these characters out for a photo shoot just for just for this. So like that, those pictures must have been used for something. But yeah, I don't I'm know sure what. Right. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, so we we come back from commercial. Robin Kermit's nephew, which I, I think is very appropriate that Robin's the one who says, "Hey, I I remember this Jim Henson guy. He was always hanging around." And then he says, "Down there, they all look down at their puppeteers and see that they have puppeteers and freak out about it for a little bit." Gonzo says, when we move, they move, and they all hop around. And then Fozzie says, it's just too weird. And then 
we get the first emotional moment of the special when Robin says Jim Henson was always watching us and having a great time. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's uh, it's it, lovely. It, yeah. It's, it's perfect for Robin to have such a large role in the special. Cause he's, he's the guy that you give that kind of line to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he can get away with that. that it would, yeah. Right. Uh, um, and it's, then- it's weird. As you said, it's weird that like we just saw the characters acknowledge their puppeteers like a year earlier in, in Jim Henson hour or two years earlier. Well, although, well and, although like having said that, that didn't air in the U S until 1992. Now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, that's true. That one aired yeah, on Nickelodeon that, for the first time. Yeah. The thing that, so. that I found genuinely surprising though, was this feels like the kind of revelation that would come closer to the end of the special. Like right off the bat, we are acknowledging not only that Jim Henson was a puppeteer and that the characters know that he was a puppeteer, but that, they are acknowledging that they are themselves puppets. Like right. act yeah. one, yeah. you know, that but in seems kind like of a, that in, comes way later in kind of a sly, funny way. Like they, they, they don't pull out to do a big wide shot of like a clear wide shot of all the puppeteers, like at the end of the Muppet show, sex and violence, it's still kind of sure. Yeah. It, if a little kid was watching this, they probably wouldn't even process what the characters were talking about. Maybe that was the reason too. Maybe, know. or maybe, maybe that set was just so small. They couldn't get the cameras back. Yeah. Off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so then anyways, then we do go back to the monitor. We watch a bunch of clips of the Muppet Show gang. I am not planning to discuss the clips. I don't know if either of you have any, any stuff. Like there's so many clips and there's so many like individual clip packages that I think we should just talk about. Like this is the general overview of the clips. Unless you have something specific to say about any of them, obviously jump in. But I'm not planning to go through and say, then we see happy feet. Then we see, you know. Yeah, I get around. I get around or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I just think it's interesting that we can hear the Muppets commenting on some of the clips as they pop up. Yeah, I enjoy that. Yeah. I, my favorite my favorite of which is when they say, there's Miss, P-, I think Scooter says, there's Miss Piggy in the movie. The great Muppet caper. <laughs> Except he emphasizes <laughs> Muppet. He says the great Muppet caper. The great Muppet caper. Yeah. Yeah. And like yeah, when they see themselves as babies and I can't remember who says it, but they're like, there's us as babies. It's like, yes, we know. You don't have to tell us. We <laughs> yeah, can, it is kind of. can tell. Yeah, I guess they're, they're just kind of ad-libbing all this stuff, but it's yeah, it's fun. And then when they show the clips from uh, the Muppets at Walt Disney World, Fozzie says, there we are at Disney World. Yeah, which that, <laughs> by the way, that had just aired again six months earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah like that was, that was basically brand new. Right. Um. But what I thought was funny is that first montage is all Muppet Show stuff, except there's one clip from Fraggle Rock. It's, yeah, I wrote that down as well. It's not a Muppet well. Show, but it's like the Muppet Show gang, you know? Yeah, yeah and like, right, because I expected for like the first big thing, which I think we talked about this in the um, Muppet Celebrate 30 years, is like right off the bat, it's like, okay, we're going to show you some Muppet Show, we're going to show you some Sesame Street, we're going to show you some Fraggle Rock, we're going to show you some of the, the, the fantasy films, and then later on we'll do proper you know spotlights but like like the first thing the overture is look at all this great stuff and here you get muppet show characters and like a tease that there's more like i'm really i'm genuinely surprised that they didn't put in some sesame and some labyrinth and stuff just to be like like hang tight there's gonna be more of this stuff yeah here here's here's everything yeah um but we do get another montage almost immediately and this one is introduced by our first special guest star carol burnett and what is interesting to me is all of the guests on this, except for one, 
worked with the Muppets, Steven Spielberg being the one. Um, and several of them, including Carol Burnett, appear in the, the montages that they introduce, which I really right. like. Um, and she talks about how the Muppets are like a family. And then in a very good joke, I think the Muppets start bickering about whether or not that's true, which leads to Gonzo strangling Robin. Yeah. And we are not <laughs> we like, are not like family. family. <laughs> and then, and or then Robin. Carol... I've never seen Robin get strangled before. I don't think I like it. <laughs> oh, no. I thought it was funny. He's only um, he's just a little guy, Anthony. Just, just a little just a guy. Little buddy. That's true. That's true. Um, so is Bart Simpson. I never heard you complain about that. Why you little. All right. Uh, anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, but he deserved it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Cool again. That proud of it. Yes, there you go. <laughs> Eat my shorts. All right, uh, but anyways, in, uh, also a very Jim Henson hour esque moment. Carol on the monitor. Yeah, the whole thing with the the guests just appearing on the monitors is very Jim Henson hour, and the fact that the Muppets can communicate with them through the monitors. Right. Yeah. Which also makes me wonder, though, if they're trying so hard to figure out who Jim Henson is, why don't they just? ask these celebrities who are magically appearing well, on the monitors but they yeah and the celebrities are being very oblique right it's yeah like, the muppet show was a family yeah um, like, hey carol burnett tell us more we're trying to figure out about well, who this guy was but also like all these celebrities are showing up they're not being asked a question they're not like oh carol burnett you're here can you tell us can you tell us what's going on with this yeah it's just carol burnett shows up and she just starts talking as if it's a video and i guess the joke is is like the wink not- wink to i can see you and the Muppets From always the seem screen. sort of surprised by them. Like, oh, look, right. it's Carol Burnett. Yeah, right. I would be surprised uh, if I saw Carol right. Burnett. <laughs> uh, I would say, hey, sorry that I didn't make it to your episode of Julie's Green Room because that show was mega boring. That's what I would say if uh, I met Carol Burnett. <laughs> I would not. Yeah, I, I would, loved you. I'm I mad would... about you, Carol. <laughs> um, no, but here she's, what she does do is she says, Guest stars were part of the family, whether they liked it or not. And what I think is fascinating is that then we see Carol herself, John Cleese, Dabney Coleman in, in Muppets Take Manhattan, and Charles Durning, all of whom are hating on the Muppets. Like, those are the yeah. four guest stars that we see. Yeah. Two Muppet Show guest stars, two movie villains, all being like, Muppets are bad. I hate being around them. Well, yeah, she kind of transitions from, like, guest stars were in on the fun, whether they liked it or not, to... You know, the, I don't know the exact quote, but it's something like the Muppets when it when they needed to, the Muppets came together as right, a family. Right. Yeah. Right. And then we see, and then we see Rainbow Connection, which is the only time we hear Rainbow Connection in this special, is eleven minutes in, which is kind of surprising. Yeah. That it's not that it's not at the end. You know, if I mean, this were made just, today, just that person, would, yeah, right? that would absolutely be the final yeah. number. And, right. And then we never heard Rainbow Connection again. Isn't that weird? Is the last time it was right. ever yeah. performed by you know, anyone? <laughs> What a nice well, uh, show of respect that they retired the song. <laughs> but but as as we discussed, though, it is the big finale in uh, Celebration of 30 Years, four years earlier. That's true, yes. So I think that's probably why it, it, it isn't here, you know? Yeah. Can you believe, like, can you imagine if the Muppets did that song more than once every four years? You guys I'm know trying. what is... I'm trying. You know, that you, you, you know that when Kermit sings that on TV, you can just not watch... Like, I haven't... <laughs> I've, I've heard Matt Vogel sing that song once because I just don't watch those clips. Who cares? Anthony, um, we run a Muppet fan site. We actually have to watch it. Well, you don't have actually, to watch no, them. If you here's, just read what it is. Here's my secret. You don't have I, to. I don't watch all of those appearances. Yeah. If yeah. we know in advance it's, that it's that, that they're just trotting out Rainbow Connection again, I've seen it. I've heard it. Yeah. 
My favorite thing, Ryan, is imagining you as Mark Ruffalo in the Avengers turning around and saying, you want to know my secret? I don't watch Kermit sing Rainbow Connection anymore. That's it. And then, <laughs> and then they turn, turn into, into the a Hulk giant green you're... monster. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a, there's an, it's not easy being green here, Joe, but we can, we can just move on. There's some, somewhere true. in there. They've definitely made that in Hulk comics before, I'm sure. Yes. So anyways, after that, we go back to the backstage and Beauregard's bringing in costumes. That's kind of all we get of Beauregard. But oh, yeah. does nice he speak? To, he just kind of says, oh, excuse me, or something like that. Okay. Or here they are. He says something just generic. Um, but it's nice to see him. And then Fozzie uh, worries that they don't know enough about Jim Henson to do a good job. Gonzo says he's going to go get whoopee cushions, which is going to pay off later. Stay tuned. And then Clifford throws to Bean Bunny to roll the Jim Henson biography yeah. film, which on the one hand, why couldn't that just be on a monitor? But on the other hand, it's great to see Bean get this little featured part. Yes, I had forgotten that this was this little moment with Bean was here, but it's yeah, it's funny. Well, and it's interesting to me that like these are the two newest characters. Are these the only two new characters, like newish characters to, to the Muppet uh troop in this special? Yeah, like they, yeah. they were they were really the two holdovers from the Jim Henson hour that, that were they were kind right. of trying to make part of the troop now. Exactly. So like this to me was like a deliberate effort. Right. This this is a deliberate effort to like show, you know, the like subtly to show the Muppets are going to go on. We've got these new characters they are going to be doing new things. Look at that. They're even interacting with each other. Uh, right. And, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know. We, we could talk more about that closer to the end about the promise for more things to come. But that's definitely what I got out of. That, can you imagine, that, though, if Waldo scene. was in this? Yeah, I can. Because <laughs> we just saw him in that other thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to imagine like, what they would even like have goes. to do. It would have been Here comes so Waldo. tasteless. They're just like, backstage's like, hey, Mr. Fazley, Jim Henson is the guy who, who puts on a show. And then he like grows like a ringmaster costume. Yeah, okay. Oh, awful. Okay, now I call him some it. kind of clown. Is that what you call them, Waldo? <laughs> you get out of here. That clown outfit. So then what happens next? Jerry Nelson narrates the, the biography of Jim Henson, which is yes, really nice. Like, nice. We have all the celebrity guests introducing all the other clip montages but jim's early years it's jerry nelson i always love to hear he's jerry got nelson so many characters announcer. yeah so yeah. many characters that guy he does uh and including he played the announcer on the Muppet show most of the time true but in this one he talks about jim's early years talks about his early tv shows the muppets all scoff when the narrator says that jim made a puppet show puppet show ah puppet forget show. it forget it but then, i like when uh, uh, a moment later Oh, sorry, go on. Oh, I just I I like when they show the early home movie clip of Jim, and you can hear Janice say, "Oh, like he's a little kid. How adorable!" Yeah, that's cute. Yeah. But then a few like a minute later, he says, "I'm a puppeteer, and I'm called a puppeteer because I work with puppets. My own puppet act is called the Muppets." And they don't react to that, even though like they were just oh. scoffing and just saw puppeteers beneath them. I don't know. It seems, yeah, it yeah. seems strange. They just it's like, we got the joke. Slide yeah, right over that, yeah. yeah. Right, right. Uh, I liked when, I- um, when, whenever they would show like the old Salmon Friends Kermit, like I think, I think it happened at least twice, or they're like, oh, there's Kermit. It's hey, like, it's well, Kermit. It, it is, it isn't, it isn't. I mean, yeah, they sure. recognize it's Kermit their buddy. wig without the collar. Yeah. yeah, sure. It's like seeing an old picture sure, of your right. friend when yeah, you're in college. Per- I think or something. it's perfectly plausible that Salmon Friends Kermit is like still not quite fully formed from tadpole. Yeah, 
for sure. Level. Yeah. It's like, just as far as they're concerned. Interesting. Right. You know? uh, and then I liked uh, when they showed the inchworm uh, sketch, uh, like all the, like when the, the big monster eats Kermit, uh, all the characters go, whoa, like they weren't expecting it. <laughs> They don't actually show the monster oh, eating him, though. They they show him pulling up the monster's nose, and then the monster Fair emerges. Enough. But they don't show the monster eating Kermit. I wondered if that was still a like, it, it's, like this would probably be too weird for the Muppets to see this monster. It's still eating cool their, to like see a like a classic Muppet sketch like that, and then hear it with an audience, which we don't get very often because we tend to watch these things at home. So to hear like all the characters, like not that we want to laugh yeah. for these things, but like we hear, you know, the Muppets, we recognize these voices and they're all like, Oh man, check that out. Like that's fun. Right. Something other than just a generic laugh track. Yes, right? exactly. That's fun. Uh, do you guys know what the, the clip, I assume this is Sam and friends, but there's a clip of a bunch of hands wearing gloves and like one of them is on top of a TV. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that. I've seen that. I, I think I saw it at one of those like rarities screenings from uh, oh, okay. you know, from the Henson Legacy. Um, mm-hmm. It's I think it's a short film, like not the Ed Sullivan show, but like a probably a variety show like that. And it's all the hands are like that was. It, I don't think it was a TV. I think it was a radio, and they're playing different music and dancing to it. So that oh, was, okay. oh, actually, yeah. that sounds familiar. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it looks like a TV, but it's like an old timey radio that you know, like one of those big standing ones. Right. Sure. I should so, see if that's out there somewhere. So then, the biography cuts off after timepiece, right? Before, before it like presumably this film is going to go through his whole life, but Bean Bunny gets uh, wrapped up in it, so it cuts off right after timepiece and before you know he becomes a mainstream success. I think this was the first time that I had ever heard of timepiece. That makes sense. Yeah, it, it must have been, and I was so intrigued. Just the the brief clips that they show. Just the the gorilla jumping on a pogo stick and Jim Henson painting that elephant. It was it was so intriguing. I'm I'm so glad that I eventually got to see the whole film. Right. I was gonna say, and now you can watch it like in pretty good quality on YouTube whenever you want. Yeah. That's why right. I, I actually uh, bought uh, timepiece on I actually bought timepiece on iTunes about ten years ago. Sure. Just to have like a high quality copy of it. Yeah. Smart. Uh who do you think is the worst projectionist? Bean Bunny or the Swedish chef? <laughs> they're both quite bad at it um, the result is pretty similar result result similar but you know who the best projection projectionist is in it's probably scooter from Muppet family christmas right isn't he running the projection yeah he in, does uh, run the projection for, for yeah, and yeah. It's, it's in that case it's animals fault that they can't finish watching the film it has nothing but... to do with the projection it's just the, yeah, the muppets have a, a hard time finishing a film <laughs> Is there a yeah. is there a topics article in this? Should, should one of us write uh, the Muppets history with projectionists? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? I don't I don't yeah. have an idea beyond that. I'm giving that to one of you guys to write. <laughs> right. So so next, John Denver rocking the sickest mullet ever. 1990 era John Denver. Uh, he shows and one of those cowboy shirts. Yeah, he's he's like it's a good look for him. It's a very yeah. he's like looks even more John Denvery than I imagined he would. It's very, um, it's very Rocky Mountain high. It is, it is. Uh, he shows up to introduce. He says that the Muppets use their sincerity and humorous irreverence to convey real information. And then Rizzo pops up to tell us that John Denver's real name was John Henry Deutschendorf Jr. And he, <laughs> Denver says, "What are you doing?" And Rizzo said, "Using my sincerity and humorous irreverence to convey real information," which I like. I, that's that's that one, of, the one of my I two favorite jokes. Of. Of yeah. this. it's one of the things I. And think then John of, Denver's right? like, "Rizzo, can you please put on some clothes?" 
Um, It's also funny because that's essentially what the Muppets are doing in this entire special is conveying information, but they don't even realize it. Yeah, that's true. Um, But so we start with the Sesame Street clip package. It's and actually starting with that pitch film with Ralph and Kermit, which is just like such a nice inclusion. They did not have to do that, but it's, it's two of Jim Henson talking about Sesame Street. What are we going to do for a title? Open up new worlds, uh, street. Uh. Hey, Ralph. Mm. Why don't you call your show Sesame Street? My entire career as a TV educator nipped in the... What, what was that? Sesame Street. You know, like open sesame. It kind of gives the idea of a street where neat stuff happens. Mm -hmm. I showed the special to a friend of mine in the 90s, and he pointed out that um, Kermit should be getting royalties from Children's Television Workshop for coming up with the name for Sesame Street. Yeah, that's true. Um, And speaking of Kermit, all of the Sesame Street clips that we see in this montage have Kermit or Ernie in them, except one. Again, one is Grover doing over, under, around, and through. Hmm. All the all the others have either Kermit or Ernie. And we also is this then, not where the C is for Cookie clip comes up. Oh, does it? Oh, shoot, maybe maybe I don't does. know. That might be later. I, I don't know. Yeah, it would make sense for it to be here. I'm, I may I may be wrong. Anyways, it's not all Sesame Street. We get Kermit on Nightline, weirdly, like talking about bull markets or whatever. Teaching us what the market is. Right. Yeah. No, I know, but it's it uh, it was a sh- it was a shock. And then we see Song of the Cloud Forest, a little bit of a little bit of Dave Goals as as Milton the Golden Toad singing. I um uh there's a lot of stuff in this that like as you said about timepiece earlier that you know it was like oh as a kid i was like i have no access to this and i really want to see it but the one that really stood out to me for some reason was kermit on nightline there was something about like it's kermit and piggy they're doing something fun and uh kermit's wearing that cute little suit and for years for my like almost my whole life it's like i just want to see that thing and now i i've seen it and i'm very grateful for that uh right. and uh but that that one for some reason just like always stuck with me as like a like a holy grail of muppet stuff to see someday there was another one of these sort of documentary was it the great performances episode where it yeah, has where, the where clip Fozzie talks about bull and bear markets and yeah. he's getting chased by a bull and a bear yeah yeah, yeah. so um, that was a, sim- a similar thing like what is this i have to see the rest of this exactly right. well, and and this like we talked a lot in muppet family christmas about how there was kind of this semi-continuity after Muppet State Manhattan that Kermit and Piggy just kind of seemed married and seemed like a couple. And in the Nightline clip that we see here, Piggy asks Kermit, when are you coming home? Yes, that's not, very interesting. Not, not when are you done? Not what are we doing after this? When are yeah. you coming home? Which is and he startling, doesn't dispute it. startling to me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he doesn't say, wait, what? we don't live together. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's great. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't see a ring. <laughs> Well, what else? Uh, then, oh, this I think is hilarious. John Denver says sometimes the most important lessons Jim's characters taught us were lessons of the heart. And then it's a clip of himself singing with them on Rocky Mountain Holiday. This <laughs> is like, here's the most important lesson the Muppets have: singing with me on my TV special. <laughs> it's a very heartfelt song. Oh, it certainly is, and, and it's a song that they did multiple times. Right? That's true. Yes, it's um, it's it's in every one of us, which is also on the Christmas album. Also, With- like it's in every one of us is definitely like the kind of thing that would be played at a funeral. And yeah. I don't know if that's why they chose this song, but like, there's definitely 
you know, that's what I was thinking about when watching this clip in this, this special. Yeah. And that's this, this closes out this segment before the commercial break, I think, which uh, they, uh, they yeah. also seem to have chosen those moments very carefully co- to kind of like to end the segment on a certain note before heading to, to into the commercial and then coming back with more silliness. Right. And when we get back, actually the silliness is weirdly meta because Fozzie has hired a Dixieland band and they fall over and Fozzie is dismayed. But in real life, per Jim's request, a Dixieland band played when the scenes go marching in at his memorial service. Yeah, that's, that's a, a nice little, I don't a callback or a, a nod, whatever just like it is. a nod to it. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I like to, kind of I like to think that other than just one person. I like to think that that was uh, like maybe Jerry Jewell and whoever else wrote the song, uh, this special uh, being like, like Jim wrote one bit for this. Like Jim requested a Dixieland yeah. band for like this, this special. Was idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's Jim's contribution. Um, just a note from 2022 our, our more enlightened time. Um, the word Dixieland is generally not considered uh, a good name for the style of jazz anymore. Uh, the, the the new way that are uh, new ways that are suggested to refer to it are either traditional jazz or New Orleans jazz. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, just to put that out there. Um, and and Joe, you said uh, Jerry Jewell and whoever wrote this. The credited writers are Jerry Jewell, Bill Prady, and someone named Sarah Lukinson, who has no page on Muppet Wiki. Yeah, Sarah Lukinson, as far as I can tell, never worked with the Muppets before or after this, but she has a lot of credits on imdb for um like awards shows and similar sort of like retrospective thing like the kennedy okay. center honors so she i guess knew how to put together a yeah clip i package. wonder if she didn't write the like the clip narrations and stuff right you know and bill prady and jerry jewel wrote the jokes and the, the muppet stuff right huh interesting we should write her a letter absolutely yeah, yeah. if she's still around let's find her yeah yeah um, but what happens next? Well, then, oh, at this point, Gonzo earlier, having said he was going to go get whoopee cushions, shows up with a tap dancer who is a human sized whoopee cushion and whose name is Whoopee Cushions. <laughs> this is so silly. And then, very silly. And then wait, wait, can I just say about whoopee cushions? Please. My favorite thing, and it's so stupid, is he starts to tap dance, but he makes little poop noises. <laughs> As he tap dances. Hey, do you know why? Do you know what he's wearing? Do you, do you know what he's wearing, Joe? I, I I know what he's wearing. Do you know what he's wearing? Do you, do you know? Do you know what he's wearing? Ryan? I do know. Ryan, you know do you Ryan? know? Ryan's Ryan's know making a face. He loves this joke. <laughs> Ryan is loving it. You guys can't see him right now. He is. He's laughing. He's clapping. Ryan's doing a little dance. He <laughs> loves this so much. He loves it. He loves it. All right. Anyways, watch the 2011 Muppet movie to find out what. Uh, we'll be cushioning you get to get the punchline to our joke here. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that you're not even going to say it. We're not. Gonna, no, we're just no, going to let it. We're going to let it hang. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm saving it for when we talk about the 2011 movie. I'm doing a dang production number about it. All right. Great. Yeah. So, you'll be you'll do uh, a callback to this episode. You're like, you remember? You guys remember? You're like three years ago when we did that one podcast. We'll try to make sure you're on that one, Joe. Stay tuned, listeners. All right, but. So anyways, Whoopi Cushion's wife comes out and Whoopi Cushion says, this is my wife, Joy. Her maiden name was Buzzer. So her maiden name was Buzzer, which means that her name is Joy Cushions. And they never say it. Yeah. And I just remembered in the early-ish days of Muppet Wiki, I remember there was 
a, like a, a pretty in-depth discussion about whether this character's page on the wiki should be called Joy Cushions or Joy Buzzer. <laughs> because it's never explicitly stated. Like, nobody ever says, this is Joy Cushions. Right, right. And, I mean, they say my her maiden name was Buzzer, which implies that her married name is Joy Cushions. But ultimately, they decided to list her as Joy Buzzer on Muppet Wiki. That's so good. Yes. Uh, Muppet Wiki is great. What a, what yeah, a they got resource integrity. and what a community. This character is also a hilarious performance by Kathy Mullen doing a voice that we really... I can't think of any other character where she's done a voice like this. All right, cut. Thank you, thank Honey? you, thank you. Honey! Oh, oh, meet my wife. This is Joy. Hi, how are you? Well, nice to meet you, Joy. Ah! Her maiden name was Buzzer! I guessed that, I guessed that. <laughs> oh, look, honey, it's Ray Charles. Yeah, you're right. Um, and, and it is a very funny performance. And she like, you know, she, I should say she shakes Fozzie's hand and he gets electrocuted. Right. All- which is not how joy buzzers work, by the way, as I was very disappointed to find out when I was like 12 years old. <laughs> you thought would it was like that, that, would you, that whole body would, home alone too. Yeah. Cause that's how skeleton. you always see it in movies yeah, and stuff. They're yeah. like the, blah, 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 but then it's yeah. just like, it just kind of goes in your hand. That's it. Right. Would you say that you were shocked to learn that Ryan? Yes. Thank you very much. I would say right that it was there. probably. I would probably say that it was more of a dismay buzzer for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. The disappointment buzzer. Disappointment buzzer. Um, but so next they see Ray Charles on the TV, and Ray Charles introduces a clip package that is one thing, and it's it's the immense emotional power of being green, which is such a nice thing to devote an entire clip package to. Right. We start with Kermit singing it, and then transition into Ray Charles himself singing it over clips. We see uh, various clips of Muppet stuff. We see Jim walking around in his Kermit flipper shoes from the gonna always love you music video, um, all kinds of stuff, but it's just like three minutes. That's like being green is pretty great. Right. It's also though, it's a lot of like behind the scenes clips and like specifically. And I was thinking about this and like, I'm really grateful that they put this in here because it really is important to see like Jim at work. Um, exactly. but what, what's interesting though, is that this is almost kind of the end of that for a while. Um, you know, we, we do get like some behind the scenes stuff over the next decade, but for the most part, like up and like, especially after the, the Disney sale, uh, it seems like they started hiding the puppeteers again and they weren't showing mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Like right, just right. someone holding a puppet being like, this is how it works. And, well, um, the, the big, the two big exceptions um, after this, where the Muppet Christmas Carol and Treasure Island both got half-hour TV specials, which are on the DVDs. Oh, great! You know, I mean, yeah, and like that's great. Yeah. Puppeteers and footage from the set and everything. You know, sure. But like yeah. you say, after it, the Disney sale, right, right, disappeared. And, and that also, like the fact that you can name two of them over the over over a decade is right. a right. little surprising. I mean, like that tells you something. Yeah, it's too bad. Yeah. Uh, but what? So what happens next? We're back into it, and Fozzie. Talking about dismay, my man Fozzie is dismayed that the the uh, production number is not coming along. He wants to do a biking number, he tells Scooter, a biking number. And Scooter is definitely going to assume that that's what he means. No way that's the setup for for one specific joke. Scooter um, just how, says it. Okay. However, like, it makes a lot of sense. And I, I'm, I'll, I'm, I'm, I think they should have hammered this 
this point in a little bit more is that the Muppets are known for riding bikes. Oh, absolutely. Like Kermit rode a bike in the movie. They got the big scene in, in Muppet, uh, Great Muppet Keeper. And uh, it's like, like Fozzie could have been like, yeah, we did it in all those movies. Like you remember that. Right. Of well, course and, you do. Yeah. There is a person on a monitor coming up who specifically mentions that, that Jim Henson believed that all the Muppets can ride bikes. Exactly. Right, right, yeah. Right. Um, but then anyways, as Scooter walks away, Fozzie says it sure needs something. And that something is Piggy, who gets a big intro from the Penguins. And then she describes it as a grand entrance for my big tribute to Jim Henson. She's the one and only beautiful girl. The one and only beautiful girl in the world. (laughs) So we've talked in the past about how every TV special the moments ever did, Piggy gets a big entrance and here it is another member of the pantheon another another clip for the miss piggy grand entrance clip reel uh the <laughs> penguins give her a big build up in this one is yeah, this a real I, song I, I i forgot to to try to look this up that they sing is this or is this just made up for the special where they sing she's the one and only beautiful girl yeah. in the world um isn't yeah i don't know it sounds I, like it, it sounds like it should a be song. a real song yeah it doesn't sound yeah. like piggy i don't know I'm going to look it up right now. Looks like this is a Rogers and Hart song called The Most Beautiful Girl in the World. Ah, is what It's from a musical? Let's see. According to Wikipedia, it is a song from the 1935 musical Jumbo, which is, yes, a musical about the circus. So, Oh, cool. And yeah. you said so it's by Rogers and Hart. Rogers and who, Hart, yep. Who is the titular most beautiful girl in the world? Is it, is it an elephant? Because... That would not be a, a good thing for, for the penguins to be singing about Miss Piggy here. I sure hope so. <laughs> um, and and the, the musical was made into a film called Billy Rose's Jumbo. So Wow. You can check that out. It starts. So presumably the Doris Day character in that is, is the most beautiful girl in the world. Because Doris Day is the female lead in that picture. So, and not Miss Yvonne, huh? as we all know. And, and She's I, the most beautiful girl in Puppet Land. And, and the world, and I, we just say Puppet Land to keep her ego, you know, keep her ego down. <laughs> right. So there you go. I, I had to look it up on Wikipedia. Of course, a, a shout out slash apology to our friends over at Muppeturgy, at least two of whom definitely knew what that song was without looking at it. <laughs> But we got there. We got there. That's right. Yeah, we got uh, there. So uh, first of all, I, I, I want to shout out when we talked about um, uh, one of Miss Piggy's previous uh, uh, appearances big you know fanfare appearances like this uh it inspired me to write an article for tough pigs about all of miss piggy's best entrances this one definitely made the list um and then also how weird it is that piggy's like here's my big entrance for uh, uh, for jim henson and it's again backstage this isn't right. like here's right. my rehearsal that i'm showing you that i'll do later on the show it was like here it is it's for the six of you who happen to be here Right, right. Well, I guess they know that we're watching. Because there are other moments where the characters sort of look at us or address us. They've noticed we're watching, too, if you will. Right. Fair enough. But but The Muppet um, Show did that, too, and they still knew that we were backstage. Like, Kermit would say, think about that, folks, and look right at you. But <laughs> right, that doesn't right. mean that there's an audience who's watching them right now. That's just yeah. you know, a little fourth wall breaking. Right. Um, and actually Piggy Piggy doesn't get much to do in this special. She's she's not in it very much. But one of Frank Oz's great little touches in here is when Rizzo asks if she knows anything about Jim Henson, and Piggy goes, uh 
um, nope. <laughs> it's such a, like, she draws out the um, and then the nope is so emphatic that it makes me laugh. I also really like Rizzo says, don't you think that's a little over the top? And Piggy goes, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. It's, an, it's a nice moment for her. Next, we get another clip package. This one, as I mentioned, is the only person who introduces a clip that didn't ever work with the Muppets. It's Steven Spielberg. It's film director. Not, not before Spielberg. or since. Yeah. Right. Not before or since. And it's, it's kind of surprising to me, frankly, that his frequent collaborator, George Lucas, who produced Labyrinth, isn't the person introduced. Right. I was thinking that they, they could have gotten a guy who actually worked with Jim. Yeah. But um, because maybe what, he wasn't available. Because what he does introduce is a collection of clips from all the 80s fantasy projects. Your storytellers, your, your Dark Crystal and Labyrinth, Monster Maker, all that kind of stuff. And which is great to see. I'm glad it gets its own uh, clip montage here. And it's nice to see Spielberg. You know, I was thinking yeah. n- not Spielberg and John Denver are the only two guests in this who are younger than Jim Henson. And Spielberg was about huh. a decade younger than Jim. You know, he's he's 44 years old here. He's just a little baby. Yeah. <laughs> and. <laughs> And it's just interesting to me that like he's even at this time, this is pre Schindler's list, pre Jurassic park, you know, but it's, it's post EET Raiders of the Lost Ark Jaws and all that stuff. He's like unquestionably the most famous living director at this time. Oh yeah. Yeah. And here he is he's the on, guy. Right. And here he is on this special talking about how great Jim Hansen was a person who directed three films and isn't really thought of as a film director. And it's, it's, it's legend. It's, it's, it's hit maker Steven Spielberg being like, check out that weird eighties fantasy stuff from Jim Henson. It's all good. Right. It you lends a, it, it lends a certain credibility to it when yeah. they show all these, these weird clips. Like if there's a, a sort of extended clip from the Hans, my hedgehog episode of the storyteller, right. this must've been baffling to anyone who watched this special and was like, Oh, I want to watch this thing with the Muppets in it. And then here's this, weird clip with this guy who like flies and then he's a hedgehog and then he turns into a person and like, and of course nobody had seen the storyteller. So yeah, it just must've been very confusing for people. It it was, I remember being confused by this and thinking, what is this garbage? Because I was a child and I didn't want to watch. (laughs) I I wanted to see see it. I wanted to see all of this stuff. And then they show the ultra Gorgon from the monster maker episode of the Jim Henson hour. Like, yeah, that thing still looks good. Um, well, first of all, Spielberg, this must've been the highlight of his career to get to talk about Jim Henson for 30 seconds. (laughs) It must've been like, he's done nothing else. It's of note. I'm sure. Um, the one thing that kind of stood out to me about this clip compilation, and maybe it's in all of them, but it really stood out here is that the compilation starts with the Jim Henson hour stuff and then goes to Labyrinth and dark crystal. And you would think that it would do it in the opposite order because it, that would be chronological, but right. you think you think it would start like, with, with like when yeah. the single shines, the triple sun or something from. Turkey. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, it's almost like, the, I mean, as you said, most people had not seen the Jim Henson hour here, but if they had, it'd be like, you know, that thing that you just saw last year. And then we'll go back to like where that all came from. That might've made mm. sense, but it still doesn't. Right. So backstage again, Scooter has Beauregard bring in a Viking ship because of course Scooter thought Fozzie said a Viking number, which is again, obviously you can see it coming a mile away, but 
totally worth it for we don't have a Schwinn, we have a Sven. And then a guy named yeah. Sven comes up and starts talking in mock Norwegian. I also like that the Viking ship has little spatulas on it as uh, as oars. Yeah, that's funny. You know, if I had a nickel for every Schwinn joke the Muppets made, I would have two nickels, which isn't a lot, nickels, but it's weird yeah. that it's happened twice. You would? Yeah. Yeah, right, right. Um, um, like it's also one. weird and to I like, have I like a, the... a character speaking mock Norwegian and the chef is nowhere to be seen. Oh yeah. And well, like chef, I didn't even you, notice the spatulas, yeah. but like that another maybe maybe that was a deliberate nod to the Swedish chef. I don't know. Yeah, but it, it might just be, seems odd it might to me. Be. And, yeah. and and I I'm I'm confident in saying mock Norwegian, uh, because in a moment after the Harry Belfonte clips, the Vikings are singing Turn the World Around, and Gonzo says it's just one of those Afro-Norwegian numbers. So that's that that's <laughs> yeah. why I'm confident in saying it's mock Norwegian, not mock Swedish. You know, I like not that. just be, not just because I'm 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 a Norseman myself, I'm, you know <laughs> I'm, I'm not just being ethnocentric. But anyway, speaking of Harry Belafonte, what happens next is that Fozzie walks up to the camera and says, "Please don't watch this; it's too embarrassing. Watch Harry Belafonte instead." Does he say Harry Belafonte? He says Harry Belafonte. He absolutely does. He just can't get that guy's name right. Uh-huh. No, I know, I know. Um, but what I love, so we're going to get an explicit Marx Brothers reference later in this special. But this feels very much like a particular moment in Horse Feathers when Chico is about to start playing the piano and Groucho approaches the camera, just like Fozzie does here, walks up to the camera and says, I got to stay here. I got to see this, but there's no reason you folks can't go to the lobby until this all blows over. Yeah, that's good. Which is... Well, yeah, which is like, it's not just that he approaches the camera. It's that it's also like the act that I'm in is embarrassing. Please don't watch it. You know? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I so, know you're not the biggest uh, fan of Bob Hope, Anthony, but it also reminds me of, there's. It, it happens in at least one of the road movies with Bob Hope and Bing Crosby, where Bing Crosby starts singing some boring song and Bob Hope looks at the camera and is like, this might be a good time for you to go out and get some more popcorn, folks. Yeah. Wow. Bob Hope stealing jokes from Groucho? I'm shocked. <laughs> Can you believe it? <laughs> um, no, but, uh, but yeah, like anyways. He's then, Gabe Kaplan or something. He, he kind of is. The, I mean, here's the, thing about, here's the thing about Bob Hope. Bob Hope is Groucho Marx if his jokes weren't funny and he was a coward. Like it's it's like the same like stream of quips all the time, you know. Sure. Just just yeah. when confronted, Groucho doubles down, and Bob Hope runs away. Like that's the main difference, you know. Yeah. Sure. Um. But hey, anyway. more about Happy Belafonte, though, please. Happy Belafonte. He's sitting in a classroom wearing a suit, which I love. That that's great. And he introduces as as only he could. He introduces the kind of like the worldwide reach and the humanistic focus of the Muppets, right? This is the most serious montage. Yeah. We see clips dubbed into other different languages. We see Kermit and Piggy in Russia. We see Big Bird in China. He says Sesame Street is seen from Spain to Senegal to Cincinnati. Yeah. And again, like Harry Belafonte saying it, it sounds so cool. Like Joe, I know you're an Ohio native. Cincinnati has never sounded better than coming out of Harry Belafonte's mouth. (laughs) Cincinnati has never sounded good at all, unless it's (laughs) said by Harry Belafonte or if it's preceded by the word chili. Right, right. Mm. Of course, of course. Uh, He also says the Muppet show became the most popular show in the history of television all over the world. 
he doesn't, you know, cite any sources or talk about ratings or how many countries it aired in. But this is the, the kind of thing that I definitely latched onto and would like tell anyone who would listen when I was a, a young budding Muppet fan. Like, did you know that the Muppet show was the most popular show in television all over the world? And it still is. And I'm cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That means um, if it's that popular, it means that I'm cool. Because well, I, I, I believe it was later. It, it was later supplanted by Baywatch. So I don't know what that tells you. It was, it was later supplanted by Baywatch nights. Weirdly. And then uh, later on, supplanted by Bay of Pigs Watch. I don't know how that one happened. <laughs> yeah, little known fact. No, Bay of uh, but Pigs Anthony, Watch. like you said, <laughs> like you said, like to see like the Muppet Show in other languages and Big Bird in China and Fraggle Rock's message of unity and turn the world around, like all these mm-hmm. things one after another. Like I don't know if I've ever really seen a compilation that's so densely packed of that style of of like what the Muppets were doing in those days uh, to like bring the world together. And like, it was honestly, it was like really a, a, like emotionally uh, rewarding to me to, to see all that in one place. Like I really, really yeah. enjoyed that comp- clip compilation. Agreed. Yeah, it's great. Uh, so it, so it, it does end with turn the world around. Like we said, which of, of course it is going to Harry Belafonte is introducing it and turn the world around is one of the greatest moments in the history of the Muppets. Um, the listeners cannot see this, but Joe and Ryan can see right behind my head. I have the print of Kenny Durkin's great drawing of Turn the World Around with the lyrics yeah. surrounding the heads, um, which our friend Kenny Durkin made this. And you could buy it too, fans, if you like that sketch as much as I do. And Joe, you have the shirt, don't you? I sure do. I bought that on a t-shirt. Uh, I think, is it on T Public? if I'm not mistaken. I think, he has, um, I think he has a red bubble store. If I uh, red bubble. I think you're right. We can, so yeah, but we'll, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll link to it anyways. Yeah. Yes. All right. So anyways, we come out of turn the world around. Like I said, the Vikings are singing along. And then as Gonzo is watching this Rizzo comes up and says, he's discovered who Jim Henson was. Now Gonzo and Rizzo only have this one scene together in this special. But this scene is the start of the entire 1990s for the Muppets. It's the yeah. first time they've ever really interacted, which they're going to do all the time for the next 10 years. You know? Yeah. Did they not Did they not share lines together in Muppets of Manhattan in the diner? I don't think so. I don't think they really. Because yeah, Fozzie right. says, what a rat, right? And Floyd says the number for the Board of Health. And Yeah. 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 Um, Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Gons- Rizzo says that he's discovered who Jim Henson was. He signed their checks, so he was an accountant. This is my other favorite joke in the special. Sure, it's good. It's good. Oh, then he pulls up Gonzo's old paycheck, and the signature on the check looks like the Jim Henson in the Jim Henson Company logo, yeah. which I think is very funny. And Also, uh, Gonzo, the check is there because Gonzo always forgets to cash those things. Yes, but then but you're leaving out the best part of the joke, which is we artists and madmen are like that. Right. Yeah, that's terrific. Gonzo just saying that with a shrug is is so good. Yeah. Love that. So then we get the more explicit Marx Brothers reference in the special. Rizzo introduces the Merrill Lunch Hunga Dunga McCormick All Accountant Marching Society. Which, if you know Animal Crackers, the Marx Brothers movie, uh, there's a law firm mentioned called Hunga Dunga, Hunga Dunga, Hunga Dunga, Hunga Dunga, and McCormick. Joe and I, not long ago, were on an episode of the Tough Pigs podcast, Hubba Wah, and we were asked to name this group 
And I buzzed in and I got this wrong uh, because actually, I said, Ryan, not to correct you, but I, please. this was my question uh, to oh. Evan uh, that, uh, for, for me to get some extra points. And uh, he did not get it right. But then I asked you just for funsies if you knew the answer. But this oh, was, this okay. Was this my, was a question I provided you came up question. with. Yes, correct. Okay. Yeah. Well, my guess was something like the Merrill Lunch Hungadunga 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 Society, which was off. But I, it was just because I had that Marx Brothers joke in my head. Right. Well, and and Joe actually ran that by me before recording. If I thought it would be a ah. good question, and I did the same thing. I I, I slapped yeah. on four Hungadungas. Right. I just wanted yeah. those points. Not that it did me any good, but <laughs> no, you did. I'm glad you remembered no, the most important no, one. You got the points, though, at least. Yeah. Oh no! I, I yes, I got the, the points, points, but I lost the game. <laughs> That's what I meant. Um, by the way, spoilers for that any, episode, I guess. By the way, if any of you listeners out there like Muppets, you should watch Animal Crackers and Horse Feathers. <laughs> yeah, you will enjoy them. Marx yeah. Brothers movies are a lot like Muppet movies in many ways. It's true. And not just for Hungadunga references. Right. <laughs> a lot of these puppets in the Accountant Marching Society are from the Muppet Meeting films, which is appropriate because they all look very businesslike. Yeah, that makes sense. And they walk in doing something that sounds, it's not, but it sounds an awful lot like the old business, business variety show sketch. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They used to do. That's a good point. You know, it's like a very uh, similar I, tone I remember to it. Like repeating buzzwords. I remember. Uh, reading about the Muppet meeting films for the first time in an issue of Muppet zine, which was just a few years after this thing had aired. So yeah. I never, and like at the time, like for some reason I got myself completely hooked on the idea of like, well, I have to, I have to have them. I have to see them. Cause I think it was because they were available to purchase and they were very expensive because they expected people, you know, like companies would buy them, not fans. The idea is that corporations would buy them to show exactly. at meetings. Yeah. Right. So because they were available, and I remember like telling my dad, I'm like, look, it's the thing that I really want. He's like, I'm not spending like 60 bucks for a five minute video. Like it's just not going to happen, whatever the price was. And um, uh, so like, I wouldn't have gotten this reference, but definitely made me think about like when I recognize them as the characters from the meeting films mm. and then remembering this is 1990. I probably read about it in like 94, um, not too long afterward. It just made me think about how, how badly I wanted to see those things. It made me very sad yeah. at the time that it was a Muppet thing I couldn't have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I also do. I really like their, their chant or their song, whatever it is. And the fact that it ends with Sir tax sales tax excise to net worth Dow Jones, Scooby Dooby Doo. <laughs> the smile on Ryan's face after he read those lines tells you how much he did in fact enjoy it. It's great. He I love almost the... liked it as much as the whoopee cushion joke. Almost. I love Whoopi. the Merrill Lunch Hunger Dunger McCormick All Accountant Marching Society. I guess so. You're a big fan. <laughs> I am. They're your favorite guest star in this special. <laughs> and but the next clip, set of clips is not introduced by a guest star. It is introduced by a regular character. It's Frank Oz. And he introduced Frank Oz, the director of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels? That's right. His no, his, I guess his most recent film at the time of this would have been what about bob right that would have come out oh, yes. er- earlier in 1990 um, but uh, yes yeah yeah film director frank oz he was friends with jim henson <laughs> as he says in the <laughs> as he says right away in this intro he says we worked together for 27 years and it's great 
I don't know how off the cuff Frank's remarks are here. Probably not, but it feels more natural than the celebrity intros do for the most part. Hmm. For to me, at least. Maybe I'm reading that into it. I don't know, but uh, he talks about. We see more behind the scenes footage here, which is nice. From Muppets in Manhattan, um, we get a brief clip from of Muppets and Men from the table read sex sequence in that special. Um, and he talks about how Jim played all these great characters. And then weirdly, we see a montage of all Jim's great characters over like set. It's all wordless and it's set to sex and violence. So I don't know, <laughs> oh, I don't know yeah. why they made that choice, but. Well, I guess like he talks about how weird the characters are. So I guess that's part of it is to have this zany music playing. Right. But and, 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 and I would also, also see I don't want to live on the moon here and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I would I would also guess that like they probably didn't have a ton of options for instrumental uh songs to use. Like there's you know, there's a couple of instrumentals on the Muppet movie soundtrack, but like I think about like those Muppet show uh, albums and stuff like that, like definitely no Sesame Street album had any wordless songs. So it's like you're right. kind of limited unless you're really pulling from the, the deep library. Yeah, something that would really fit this kind of montage. Right. Yeah, like the instrumental for Never Before Never Again or uh or uh you know the um Animal Comeback Animal. Song. Yeah, Animal Comeback Animal. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Any hope of those. that something better comes along. Right? Yeah, hope that something better comes along. Yeah, none of those like fit oh, yeah. that like fun that fun tone that, that they're going for, but right. sex and violence one doesn't, I don't know. Nigel's in that. He, he was a, a gym character at he one point, yeah, yeah. even if not True. in this bit. Uh, we also see Plubus, Cantus, uh, convincing John and Bugsy them in this uh, montage, which I, I, I'm pretty sure I had never seen any of these characters when I first saw this right. special. So again, for it sure. was like, who are all these? I want to see all of this stuff. Right. For sure. Especially Plubus. Like when you see that, character he looks so weird and like unlike any other muppet right i remember you know, thinking that the when we should say who plubis is he's from the when the muppets were on saturday night live in the first season he's jim's right. character i remember reading about those sketches in jim henson the works yes and thinking that they must be the greatest thing ever made because those puppets were so <laughs> weird looking and they aren't they i thought aren't the same good, thing yeah 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 but there's just something about the design of those characters that like makes them seem like it must be great. Even even now yeah. I've is, seen it, and it isn't. I still want it. To I think be. there's, I think there's a quote in the the pages about those sketches in Jim Henson the works. I want to say maybe Michael Frith is talking about when they were coming up with those characters, and he says something about like Jim Henson was crying so hard. Uh, Jim Henson was laughing so hard he was crying thinking about these characters. So I think that sort of may have raised our expectations years before we actually saw those sketches. I mean, it's also the fact that like it got a big two-page spread in the works that made it feel yeah. really important to Muppet history. Yeah. And it is David Laser who says Jim oh, okay. was laughing so much he was crying. I, I always keep, keep my copy of the works right by my podcast recording studio. Yeah, That's for just such an occasion. Also, yeah. shout out to uh, Christopher Finch, the author of that book. The late we Christopher Finch. In the, in this past week as we we're recording this. And speaking of speaking of Christopher Finch, if I can say a brief aside, when I read that he had died, I said that he had written books about Norman Rockwell. I have a book in my office called 50 Favorite Norman Rockwell Paintings or something in my office at school that was just like head was sitting in the back room. And I was like, sure, I'll put this in my office. Sure enough, he wrote the commentary for it. 
It's like ah. it's like presented, it's like edited and with text commentary by Christopher Finch. And I had no idea until right after. Oh wow! That. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So he was he's all over the place. Did a lot of great work, you know. I also wanted to mention the they they I think you mentioned this, Anthony. They show this clip from of Muppets and Men of Jim screwing up a line at a table reading of a vet's hospital sketch. Um, I wasn't. I, I wanted to figure out what sketch that was. It's the the vet's hospital sketch from the Roger Moore episode where there's a Viking as a patient, and the line that he messes up is where uh, Ralph as Doctor Bob is saying that he had an ancestor who was a Viking. He blundered his plundering and he was stupid with his pillaging, which is a tough line. Like that's a tricky line to get right on the first try. So understandable that he would mess it up. Mess it up. Right. So anyways, then we're back to the backstage area where Fozzie is getting everyone ready for the big tribute number. You know, the Vikings are there. He tells the accountants don't tap dance until we fly in the giant 1040 form, which I think is very funny. (laughs) And then he just all of a sudden deus ex papera he finds a uh, folder under the desk and it's a note from kermit saying that these are letters from jim's fans and do do we know for sure that these are actual letters from fans he says they're like real that. letters so i yeah, i assume that that's like an indication know. to us that these are actual letters that people wrote in right yeah right. I, I would think that if they were fake they would have been i don't know a little more they would have felt written. You know what I mean? They would have sounded yeah. like they were scripted. Yeah, exactly. Right, also, right, like they right. really hammer in on the word real. These are real letters when they say that line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And so it's all, of course, people mourning his death. And the Muppets are all shocked and surprised to find out that Jim died. And I don't know about you guys. This is when I start to cry every time. Oh, this is the sad part. Yeah, yeah this is right. where it really and, becomes. Oh, this is the sad part. Time. Well, right. Yeah. But, I, but I mean, like. Like, I think you think you think of the sad, you think of just one person, right? But every time I watch this special, when Clifford starts solemnly reading one written by a little girl in that, like, deep, you know, b- bass Clifford voice, I lose it. I lose it every time. Well, and that one is like, yeah, I, I hope you feel better. It's, yeah, these are all very, just very sincere sentiments that people have written in. Dear Kermit, I hope you feel better. I will miss Jim Henson, too. I hope this letter makes you feel better. I love you. Bridget Kerwin, Peabody, Massachusetts. Right. There, there are three points in, in this special where I started to tear up. The, the first actually came just before this. Um, when uh, Ernie's singing, I Don't Want to Live on the Moon, they, they kind of linger on that that segment, just a, or that song just a little bit in that, that part of the segment. And I don't know, just like thinking about, you know, Jim having just passed away and we're, we're listening to Ernie sing this, this, you know, melancholy song. And like that, that got to me. And then like immediately afterward, like you said, they, they start reading these letters, but like, it, it's that moment where the Muppets are learning that he died. And yeah. it's yeah. like, you, you knew this guy for years, for decades. Like he was literally a part of you. And Anthony, you and I were talking about this right before we started recording. Um, you know, you, you said that like the part that got you was Fozzie saying, you know, whatever his line was like, like, like I didn't F- die. just says Jim died. Right. Oh. And the part that got me was Gonzo saying, but we were just starting to get to know him. And like that yeah. line is yeah. so, so packed with emotion, not just because it's Dave goals, 
you know, who thank goodness is still with us and has such a history with these characters with this franchise. But like, it's true. Like we didn't get a lot of time with Jim Henson. We got a, like 25 years with him, almost 30. And, right. and now we've had all these years without him where we just, we, every day we as fans ask ourselves, what would it have been like if Jim was still around? What else would he have done? What else could he have accomplished right. and created? And yeah. it's like, we really like, we were just getting to know him. That breaks my heart. Yeah. It's, it's Gonzo. That line comes from Gonzo. It comes from the performers and it comes from the audience. Right. Yeah. And of Gonzo of all characters too, who's like, he's the weird one. And yeah. he's right, like, right. he's heartbroken. Poor guy, poor little right. buddy. Right. Well, and, and Fozzie then decides to cancel the production number. He says that they just can't handle a tribute to Jim. If this is how people feel about him, all we have is dumb jokes and stuff. Robin. Well, can I, Robin. Well, sorry, can I add right before you get to Robin? This yeah. is this also this moment. If it was any other character, and, and probably I'll also add, if Kermit was in the room, then Fozzie would have been the one to stand up and say, like, what are you going to do about it? Like, we're all going to stand up. We're all going to band together. He's going to have his rousing speech because that's what Fozzie has done several times in the right. past. We don't and like we, we don't want the bad guys really to win. To. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Fozzie, for, like, for some reason, Fozzie is not a leader. And Fozzie has been the leader of this troop in, in Kermit's absence. And like they've been rudderless. And so it, I, like for me, like knowing that stuff about Muppet character history is like it, it hits a little bit harder that Fozzie's trying really hard to keep everyone together and he's like screw it like it, it's it's not gonna work and like it for like like you're about to say you know Robin coming in as the smallest voice in the room to kind of fix it or like it's usually like Fozzie it's usually you um oh that felt really profound to me as well yeah 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 it's great so then Robin of course starts singing just one person which is the thing everyone remembers from this special. Uh, they did it on the Muppet Show with Bernadette Peters. This is not the first time they've done this song. I think people think this song was written for the Muppet Show or for this special, maybe. It wasn't. It's from Snoopy the Musical, the second Peanuts stage musical. And it's by- Yeah, the one that people kind of don't really talk about. Right. Uh, because it, there was also You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, which people are more familiar with. Well, and You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown had a big high-profile revival. Kristen right. Chenoweth, you know, f- famous t- TV and film actress Kristen Chenoweth won her Tony for yeah. You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Um, but Snoopy the Musical is by Larry Grossman and Hal Hackaday. And Larry Grossman had been the musical consultant on The Muppet Show for three years. Yeah. So that's why. He, and he worked on this special. Yeah, right. So they're singing his song. Robin starts singing it. And then Scooter, and then Bean, and then Gonzo, and then Fozzie, and then everyone joins in. And when I say everyone, I mean everyone. Like, we see, we've only seen the Muppet Show gang backstage. But all the puppeteers who don't have a signature Muppet Show character get to play a character from another franchise. And it's never explained. And they're just there. You know, and some of that is Big Bird. It's it's Carol Spinney is Big Bird, Martin P. Robinson is Telly, Pam Archiero is Grungetta, you know, all these Sesame Street ones. Prairie Don, Fran Brill is Prairie Don. Moki Fraggle is there, guys. Yeah. I, I was gonna say there. like the thing the thing that gets me in that scene is you forget if you even if you've seen the special, you forget that everyone else is gonna show up. And it's like there's already so many Muppets in this in this thing from just the Muppet show characters and the new characters, like the accountants and the penguins and whatever. And um, like that second that you're like, wait a minute, like Prairie Dawn's there. 
And there's Moki. That's when it happens. Bird yeah, the, the camera starts to pull back, and you go, yeah. oh, "Oh, Perry Don's there too." Oh, and, and Big Bird, and yeah, and then all the other characters. It gets me so hard in the heart. Like that's number three for me, where I'm like, I right, can't, I right. can't contain myself. Uh, right. And this is where the waterworks really come in. Is like being like, man, I'm like, I, like it's, it's that feeling of like, oh, I'm not alone in feeling this way. I'm not alone in 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 remembering this guy and loving this guy and feeling sad that he's not here because all of my friends are here too and they feel they feel the same way. Yeah, right. Well, Gobo and, and Wembley are there too, kind of in the back on the right, on the right, right. Um. So the but but like even more than we've talked a lot on this podcast in the Muppet Manhattan in celebration of thirty years in Muppet Family Christmas, they like keep Fraggle Rock sacred. Fraggles don't oh, show up yeah, at yeah. gatherings, right? Traveling Matt is is traveling outer space, so he can go to the celebration of thirty years. He can go to Kermit and Piggy's wedding. That he can just like hang around. The Kermit and Robin have to go to Fraggle Rock to meet the others. They don't. They don't yeah. come to things. They're not part of the gang. But Jim Henson is dead, so you better believe that Kathy Mullen is playing Moki Fraggle. Like, but not just that. Like, I hadn't even thought Jim, about that. Yeah, Jim Henson has passed away, and so the Fraggles are like, "Oh man, our friends Kermit and Robin that we met at Christmas a couple of years ago. Like, they must be really sad. So let's come out of our yeah. Fraggle hole and sing this we song with go. everybody." Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they showed right. up for the and funeral. I mean, it's it's the only thing that could have done it, and it's absolutely heartbreaking. <laughs> like even. Mm-hmm. even more like the fact that the fraggles are there makes it even sadder y- you know it, is there another yes. example of of that like i'm thinking of like I, I can barely think of any any incontinuity examples of of the fra- like the fraggle five specifically interacting with anything outside of their world you know well no because i mean in those what was it called the fraggle rock rock on shorts they they use their doozer tubes to right, exactly. speak to celebrities, like, but it was just their voices. Yeah. Did they did they like, interact at all with Ben Folds Five in the Do It Anyway video? I don't think they did. I think they kind of passed each other in the um, window a bit, or like you know, probably just showed up behind them while they're playing their instruments or something. But like even like recently, I don't I, I interviewed a couple of the Fraggles for Tough Pigs when the new uh, uh, Back to the Rock episodes aired uh, premiered, and like there was a. Uh, deliberate disconnect they said beforehand like the fraggles cannot see you and they mm. as far as they know you are another fraggle they're just hearing your oh, voice I love that. and go yeah so like we you know we kind of had that um um you know they got to keep that veil up a bit for for their own continuity and so like if i can't even do that when i'm like promoting their tv show yeah. and like like for them to do something like this like this is one of the very rare moments that they're gonna they're gonna break that, that veil. but it's yeah. yeah, they had to make an exception. Wow, yeah. Yeah, it's huge. But then, of course, every, I said everyone is there, but everyone's not there because Kermit comes in. Wait, and... sorry. Can I, can I butt in real quick about something else I noticed about that, the, the group scene? I was mm-hmm. curious if uh, what other gym characters were there? Because at one point uh, I spotted Ernie and I was like, huh, I wonder. So Ernie's there. Uh, Waldorf is in the balcony. Uh, and, uh, as, as we, as we know, uh, Craig Sherman performed Statler and Waldorf for this scene. Yes. Craig Sherman has talked about how this, this was like an all hands on deck situation. He was performing Waldorf, um, not well. He has, he has, (laughs) um, and he also said that Duncan Kentworthy, the producer of many Muppet productions, uh, is Statler in this and Cheryl Henson and Bill Prady are also 
kind of up in that same tier. They're there somewhere. Yeah. Various characters, um, yeah. So yeah, so Waldorf is there, Ernie is there, and I didn't spot him at first, but then later on we get another camera angle and Rolf is there. But like of yeah. all those characters, like that's it. Three gym characters before Kermit walks in the door. Yeah. Right. As far oh. as I can tell. Again, my, right. my version was very blurry. So maybe someone spotted, I don't know, Bugsy them there as well. Who knows? Right. Guy <laughs> smiling. But so I said a minute ago that everyone is there, but everyone is not there. Because then the door opens and Kermit the Frog comes walking in. And Kermit the Frog sounds like Steve Whitmire now. Except, tell me what your guys' thoughts are. I don't think he sounds like Steve Whitmire. Like, I know it's him. I know it to be him. Just, right. it's a weird no, day. They, <laughs> He's playing no, they, they the first digitally time. altered his voice. Like, that's that's been on public record that it's digitally altered. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. But aren't there versions out there of like the... They, the yeah, they re-recorded the non-altered it. version. So, so they re-recorded it, or 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 I don't know what they did, but both versions are both Steve Whitmire, and they're both digitally altered, but they do sound slightly oh. different. So I don't I don't know which one any of us listened to, but like none of them are just Steve's voice doing Kermit with no with no effects on it. Huh. Right? Yeah, and isn't it, that weird? And it's, well, and it's especially yeah. weird because. Like what he says is he comes in and he says, what a good song. I knew you could do the tribute for Jim, but don't you have something silly to end with? What a good song. I knew you guys could do the tribute for Jim. Was it really okay? It was terrific. You guys were great. But um, do you have something silly to end with? Silly? Do we have something silly? Oh yeah! And if you're if you're like me, that line delivery is like burned into your brain because I think about that all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think about I knew you could do the tribute for Jim all the time, and it's like you say, Joe. It's, it's digitally altered, but it's also just strange because we know what Steve Whitmire sounds like as Kermit, and this this isn't it. So like, no. In after it's this very emotional yeah. moment, like. If, if if Bob Cratchit came strolling in, you know, it it would be one thing. It would feel more like his debut, but instead it just feels like, I mean, again, I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine your boss and mentor just died. You're taking over his most important character. Like, and, and you have a handful of lines at the end of the thing. It's not like yeah. he really gets to play Kermit here. And they had announced there. I remember reading a newspaper article, actually, like maybe a week before this aired, um, where they quoted Jane Henson saying that Kermit was going to continue. There was a different performer that was going to be playing Kermit. And she says something like he won't quite be the same at first, but then little by little, he's going to get his personality back. So they were preparing people for the fact that Kermit was returning. Kermit's going to live on. Kermit's not going to sound exactly the same as you're used to. But um, yeah, it's still, it, it must've been so much pressure coming at the end of this special about how important Jim Henson is to then be the new guy to like, okay, here's his most important character. Now it's you go. Right. Right. And, and like, here's, here's the thing though, is like, and I'm just going to say it. Cause like, I'm sure where everyone who watches this thinks it, people definitely thought this back in 1990, but man, you hear that for the first time, especially after having just celebrated Jim and heard Kermit's speaking voice over and over again in these clips, it sounds awful. And yeah. that's well, nothing sounds, to, it hang sounds on. different. It's, no, yeah, no, it sounds bad. 
I'm I'm flat out saying it because like Steve's Kermit later sounds different. And like, I can differentiate between Jim's Kermit, Steve's Kermit, Matt's Kermit. Like these are different versions of this character performed by three different human beings. This one is like, it's got that weird robotic lilt to it. It's like weirdly, like doesn't feel like Kermit's personality yet. And again, like it's only a couple of lines, but like, you know, the Muppets were just mourning someone two seconds ago. And now it's like, I don't know, like Kermit just kind of like, oh, good. I'm glad all my friends are having a good time. Like, it's very like, like, who is this guy? He's very Mickey Mouse. And it, huh. and like in that moment when, when he's kind of teasing, I mean, Anthony, you may have written down the exact line, but uh, when he's teasing, like, oh, there's more Muppet stuff to come. Don't worry. Yeah. It's like, do we want that? Is it, if this is what it's going to be like? And you like, I mean, you feel that way when you were eight years old, you didn't. Yes, right? I did. I absolutely <laughs> did because yeah? no, because we knew this was going to end with, this is the new Kermit. This is what we're going to expect from now on. And it's like, but it's not, we don't want it. We don't like it. And like, here's the thing is, oh, that's this not- is, this is the, this is the, the young human being in me saying this because like what I didn't know was okay well you need to give it a few years you need to like let him get into the role you need to get used to it you need some really fun productions and then you will get used to it he more importantly he will get used to it and then that will be kermit and that's that and that's fine but in that moment there doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of confidence behind like like don't worry it's gonna be the same old kermit the frog like you don't get any of that in in this in this moment that's it's just a scary thing for the the future of the franchise when you know nothing about it Right. It's not, this is the same old Kermit the Frog. It's like, here's a little glimpse of Kermit to remind you that Kermit's going to continue. Like Kermit didn't die too. Right. Which is that, you know, it's, it's, that's the message to us is that all this, the the Muppets are going to keep on going. But I'm going to throw this scenario out to you, which I'm very grateful did not happen. But like, if they, if they basically replaced Kermit with a, you know, a Mickey Mouse version of Kermit. And this was the first glimpse of that. And we ended up getting, if we had ended up getting someone who was very much watered down, who was very, very like kid friendly and not, you know, representing the Kermit that we all love in any way, then we would be looking at this moment as being like, we should have known, we should have known like in that second that this was not going to end well. And again, like not knowing what it was going to be like, like this is all we have for the next two years you know, until, um, you know, Muppet Christmas Carol, because we didn't really get right. much of Kermit between, between those two, Yeah, right. you know, right. then Although, that's like, that's just our assumption, you know, and, until we're proven wrong. Right. But so let me say this from, from the year 2022. Yes. The fact that Muppet Christmas Carol is the next thing and Kermit's not playing himself. He's playing beloved literary character, Bob Cratchit, a character played by, the likes of Gene Lockhart and David Warner in the past, right? He's he's st- he's standing in the in the footsteps of giants, right? Steve Whitmire is so good as Kermit the Frog in that movie, and I think it's because he has such solid material to work with. He doesn't have to try to reinvent Kermit. He gets to be Bob Cratchit. He gets to be a little Wembley-ish frankly at times. And I think that that helped him so much that like, yeah, it's his, a transition. Yeah. yeah. Oh, first, I completely agree. And, and we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about this a lot over the next year, obviously, but I think, I think that might be what stopped what you're saying from happening. Is that, I, I like, think you're right. And 
I mean, although it's sort of he definitely needed some happening a little bit eventually. Well, and well, he needed more. He becomes Mickey Mouse here in the two thousands. Well, and like the fact that he goes kind of straight from you know Muppet Christmas Carol to Muppet Treasure Island, where he again does not get to get to like by he. I mean, Steve does not get to uh, perform Kermit as Kermit for a, for um, you know years after taking over this character. Uh, you know, until Muppets Tonight, and even that was just like once in a while. Um, you know, like he needed that practice. And basically like, I'm also saying all this to talk a little bit about Matt Vogel's Kermit and a lot of people having that negative uh, reaction to the new Kermit of like, this is not good. And it's like, well, right. I mean, I personally didn't think that, but a lot of people did and that's okay. Uh, But uh, you know, we need to give these things time, you know, to let them find a character and, and then we will get used to it and the character will be back again and it will be a little bit different and that's Okay. Um, but yeah, it's really I'm, hard. I'm, I don't know what they could have done to give give us that confidence right off the bat. It's it that's well, an impossible especially not test. in the last you know in the last forty five seconds of the special, right? right. Yeah. Although, although weirdly, Steve Whitmire has as like Steve Whitmire in this special the the five lines. That's so many lines Matt Vogel has had in five years. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just about yeah yeah. It's uh, that's that's tough too. You know, yeah, I mean, like they need a that, new TV the, show or I mean, movie or whatever to like let these guys play, and and neither right. of them and got I mean, that like the, the, the beginning of their career as Kermit, right? And well, and I mean, we can talk about this another time, but like M- Muppets now, Kermit's barely in it. Muppets Haunted Mansion, right. Kermit's barely in it. You know, right. <laughs> like the yeah. stuff that they have done, he's he's not doing much. Un- yeah. Unlike yeah. Muppet Christmas Carol, where, where he gets a big song in the first fifteen minutes, you right? Know? Right. But again, like you said, he, about- he doesn't get to be himself in Muppet Christmas Carol. Like both of these guys have to have to go years before they're going to get that chance to really play. It's right. it's just tough. And, you know, I, I just I have very vivid memories of watching this for the first time and not feeling that confidence. And I don't know, I just felt like it was it was worth mentioning because a lot of people right. probably felt the same way. Well, I so I wouldn't I would not go as far as to say that he sounds bad here, but he definitely just sounds different. Like. We've talked about this a lot on our website, on our forum, on social media, that if there had been Twitter when the special aired, people would have been so like up in arms about like, how dare this new person think that he can play Kermit. But it's the same kind of situation. He, he just sounds different and he's going to adjust the voice a little bit and eventually people will get used to it. And that's what's happening now. I mean, the, the one thing that I, I, disagree slightly with what you said is is the fact that they felt the need to add that that like robotic sounding uh you know yeah course correction for the voice which made it sound artificial and um like the new guy doesn't have the voice right so we have to change it you know we have to digitally change it later on and Mm -hmm. that kind of felt like like a vote of no confidence from behind the scenes Sure. Bit. Yeah. And thank goodness this is the only time, as far as I know, is the only time they ever did that. Um, but uh, you know, I, you know what's interesting too is is uh, when Kevin Clash left Sesame Street. Um, there's a couple. I couldn't even tell you what productions. But there's a couple of productions where they needed someone to do the voice of Elmo before Ryan Delano's recast as Elmo officially, and it's other performers doing it, and they had to digitally kind of change it because they were kind of on yeah. a time crunch to get Elmo content out there and. People just like nobody was doing the perfect Elmo voice just yet. And so to find those things and to hear them and to go, man, just like, it's a little like the audio is a little uncanny Valley 
Like it just doesn't right, sound right. right. And it's not because it's a different person doing it as much as it sounds like it has been digitally altered. Right. So do you think we would find this less weird if they hadn't digitally altered it? If it was just the new guy doing his best attempt at a Kermit voice and maybe it doesn't sound like the Kermit we're used to, but it just still sounds like a person rather than a digitally altered person. I mean, it definitely would have sounded weird because it's different. And it's the first time a character had really been recast, uh, you know, in the in Muppet canon at that point. Um, with the exception of like Miss Piggy from the beginning of the Muppet show, which doesn't the really first count. major recast. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You guys, you um, guys okay. But, you, you, uh, justice for Snuffle Up, for Snuffle Up, I guess. Guys. Oh, yeah. You know, I was, I was sitting here <laughs> oh, going sure. through my head. Like yeah. maybe there wasn't a, but yeah, right, sure, right. Right, right. Yeah. Telly, Grungetta, yeah, yeah, Telly, all those yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but like, no, but it's, uh, I think looking back at it, if it had not been digitally altered at all, then I might not have, have been triggered to, to have these memories as much because it would sound like Steve's Kermit, you know? But right. it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like Steve's Kermit or Jim's Kermit because of that, right? Right. It's right. some other all, thing. All right. So that seems like a good place to wrap it up. Uh, well, I was just gonna say, <laughs> um, Anthony's after, like, shut up about the voice already. Good God. <laughs> after reading that newspaper article that I mentioned, I I had it in my head for some reason. I guess because I was a, a dumb young kid that they were hiring somebody new to play the new Kermit, like somebody who had never worked with the Muppets before. So when I watched this on TV, I was like trying to look at all the performer credits to see like, could I figure out who, which of these names is the guy who's playing the new Kermit. But at that time I didn't know the names of all the performers anyway. Like I had heard of Frank Oz, I guess, and that might've been it. So I was looking like, Oh, who like, Maybe, maybe, maybe it's Kevin Clash. Yeah, maybe that's the guy. That's probably the guy. That's probably the new Kermit. So I had no idea what I was doing. Right. I uh, remember, and- I remember reading a review of Muppet Treasure Island when I was 11, which described the performer of Kermit as skilled Henson imitator Steve Whitmire. <laughs> that has, that has stuck in my brain for 25 plus years for whatever reason. Amazing. Uh, the, the last thing I wanted to point out in this, in the actual content of the special, uh, after, uh, uh, Kermit shows up and the Muppets are all celebrating. So Fozzie, like he cues the final number, the big production number and two things. Number one, I assume this is supposed to be a final number and we have not seen uh, like a number like they, they didn't like send anything out to, to the stage that we don't see. Like right. this is like, right. I don't know who well, the show well, is for. The, doing, I mean, or if there is a show, the whole thing, they've been saying that it's a tribute number. That, that, that that's what they're so putting they're out. just doing one number they're yeah. doing one song and dance or something like that for an audience and then they're all going home after five minutes got it yes okay yes the other thing being Fozzie's like cue the number and then all the muppets just like start cheering and dancing and like there's that's no all number. it is there's nothing nothing goes on stage they don't yeah. tell us what the number is it's just like do a thing great we did it yeah uh, it's just everybody like dancing around yeah, yeah going waving their hands yeah, yeah. which, is, which right. is actually like you you talk about like a harbinger things to come that is because we're going to get a lot of things over the next 30 years that are just kind of like here's some content we're throwing content at you i mean I, like here's I a muppet bring... that you recognize acting yeah. silly yeah i hate to bring this up because it's it's horrible to talk about it but in the lady gaga the Christmas special that she did with the Muppets, like mm-hmm. all those numbers that she did with the, like one or two exceptions, uh, 
it's just like, what if Lady Gaga sang a song and the Muppets wiggled? And it's like, that's all that's happening. She's singing a song and there's Walter dancing and Walter's dancing (laughs) and Walter is dancing and the number's over. And that's it. You know, well, and of course, of course, the sad truth. I mean, we talked about not covering this special before we did decide to cover it. And the reason to not cover this special isn't because it's not worth talking about. It's because it's sad that Jim Henson died. Right. Right. And that's going to be the subtext of everything we talk about on the rest of this podcast until we're done. Like there's good stuff. Don't get me wrong. There's we, we have five movies left and I think three of them are generally very good. I would, you know, I would qualify two of them as excellent, in fact. <laughs> but none of them are as good as the Muppet movie, you know? No. And it's like, no matter what else we have to say, it's always going to be weird. Because especially like now in the 90s, Jim and Richard's characters, like a lot of them just aren't going to be there for a while. Uh-huh. And like Frank Oz is going to kind of slowly disappear <laughs> and then eventually turn into Eric Jacobson. And all this stuff is going to happen. And this is where it starts. Y- you know, like up until now, all three movies, most of the specials is just like, ah, the Muppets are great. I love talking about Muppets. And there's always going to be something missing for everything else we talk about forever. And that's yeah. why it's sad to talk about this special. Not because we don't like the accountant marching society. Is this your way of announcing your retirement from this podcast, Anthony? (laughs) No, no, but I just, I do, (laughs) I do think that the discussions will fundamentally be different from now on. Yeah, they have to be. Yeah, You're right. Although I will say as an avid listener to this podcast, the entertainment does not necessarily come from what we would be seeing on screen if we were watching it all together, but from the commentary. So even the worst of the Muppets is going to be entertaining for us to listen to. Right, right. No, you're right. You're right. And honestly, I think we should probably just bring this one to a close unless either of you have any other thoughts before we go. Um, a couple of quick things. First, Carol Spinney's name is spelled wrong in the credits. They spell it C-A-R-O-L. That's happened a few other times. Yeah. Um, also, the original airing of this on CBS ended with this tag uh, with Gonzo encouraging us to read books. Uh, and then he suggests two books recommended by the Library of Congress, which are The Muppets Moving Right Along by Guy and Brad Gilchrist, which is kind of funny because that is a collection of comic strips. Yes. Which counts as reading. Yeah. But, you know. No, but I don't know. I'm, hey, take it from your friendly school librarian. Comics are books. Reading comics is reading. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Well, I mean, there, there were a few other, like, mostly text-based <laughs> biographies of Jim Henson at this point, like for younger readers. But And then the other one that he mentions is Of Muppets and Men, The Making of the Muppet Show by Christopher Finch, which, of course, is like essential reading and, or, and definitely was at that time for Muppet fans. Um, and it was incredibly also, hard to find, by the way. Like that was something I yeah. searched for for most of my life uh, you, until I but, found it. Because, you know, it was, it was like out prints and... Like the my library didn't have it. Like it was just uh, it was a it was a hard book to find. So come on, I Gonzo. wonder if it wasn't. I wonder if it wasn't easier to find in 1990 though. Even, I can only assume even, it would have. You know, been. it was it was only was that in know? in 1990 my library did not have it. That's all I could tell you. Sure. Yeah. But sure. they did have my, the Muppet Show did. book. Yes. My, mine had both of those. So Gonzo mm-hmm. lied to you when he said you could go to your local library or bookstore and read all about it. 
I can, can read all about something, about but not that one. No, yeah. unfortunately. Uh, and then also, did you know that this was nominated for multiple Emmys and it won one of them? No. This was <laughs> nominated for Outstanding Outstanding Variety Music or Comedy Program. It did not win that. It was nominated for Outstanding Writing in a Variety or Music Program for Jerry Jewell, Sarah Lukinson, and Bill Prady. It was nominated for Outstanding Achievement in Music Direction which is cool because there's not a lot of original music in this. Like there's just one person. There's the, the marching it. society song. There's that's true. And there's the one. Only beautiful about, girl. Oh, you mean like originally recorded music? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Uh, and then it won for outstanding editing for a mini series or special multi-camera production, uh, which I, you know, there's so many clips and stuff that they, they uh, cut together. So yeah. it, it definitely deserved that. Emmy. Right. And in those days, That's you had all. to physically cut them together also. Like, you're not. Yeah, just, they were cutting you're not video. Just like tape, moving, I guess. M- moving clips around in Final Cut or whatever, you know? No, yeah, it's totally different. Yeah. But all right. So, in that case, that brings us down to the end. And next time you hear from us, I promise you, we will be talking about the first two minutes of Muppet Christmas Carol. And then we will talk about the rest of that movie in two minute chunks weekly. That's what's going to happen next. I promise. Man, I cannot wait. I can't. I legitimately can't wait. I'm very excited. You'll probably be in one or more of them. Oh, do you promise? Yeah, I do. Oh, what right, a Christmas but... gift it's going to be. The only problem is that everybody that we've asked about being on the podcast wants to be on the two minutes that cover when love is gone or it feels like Christmas. And we can't have everybody on the same two episodes. So, yeah, but that's, that's not my problem. Uh, we'll, Stay we'll tuned it, to see how we figure that out. We'll get it sorted out. Yeah, it'll be fine. But that's it. We're done. <laughs> so un- until then, you can always read Tough Pigs on the internet. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can support us on Patreon if you feel so moved to do. Thank you, as always, to Morgan Davy for designing our logo and to Stacy Rosen for writing our theme music. You can follow me on Letterboxd at... Zeppo Marxist, you can follow Ryan on Letterboxd at Movies Are Neat and on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe. Joe, where can our listeners find you on the line? You know, if you really, really want to, you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Hennis or on Instagram at Tough Pigs Joe. Uh, but I highly recommend that instead you follow the Tough Pigs social media accounts because all I really do is retweet that stuff. So just, you know, so cut out the middleman. You think that people should just consume the Tough Pigs meet social media, if you will? I think that it should all be consumed heartily. All right. That's great. All right. So see you next time. We'll see if it feels like Christmas. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>